We are in a wonderful series. If you'll notice these two series, the series on how that God wants to sustain you on Sundays and this series on the victorious lifestyle of Thanksgiving, they literally fit like a glove and they will literally enhance your ability to walk in a revelation of the love of God, to walk in the strength of God, to walk in the grace of God, which is his ability, and to walk by the faith of God. It'll help you. This is week seven in this series. Do you know we've spent the last three weeks of that literally talking about how that Thanksgiving connects us to the grace of God, which causes us to walk in the victory that he's given us. So we're going to keep going with that. There's more that God wants to go into tonight with that. So get ready. I want to encourage you, get caught up, get, on, get online, get the CDs, listen, take notes, because it's your job to make disciples. And this will help you, help you tremendously. It'll build, as you build the word of God in your life, you literally build stability in your life. If you talk to believers that are, that are walking in the word of God, over time, the incredible stability that they have, I mean, it's amazing what the word will cause in your life. So we're not a casual hearer tonight. We are literally a doer of the word of God. So in 1 Corinthians, you could turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. Foundational scripture It says, now thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Say that with me. Now thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. My victory comes to me through my Lord, Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? It's how it comes. But it says he gives us the victory. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Now thanks be unto God, right? Which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Isn't that amazing? Say that with me. Now thanks be unto God, God. which always always causes causes me me to triumph triumph in Christ. Christ. Now thanks be unto God, God. which always causes me to triumph in Christ. He always causes me to triumph. Not sometimes, always. And it's in Christ. It's in Christ. Everything is in Christ. You're in Christ. You've been created in him. All the promises of God are in Christ. Yes and amen. So don't live out of your flesh. Because there's nothing there but death. It can't produce anything but death. Amen. So how do I do that? I got to guard my thought life. I've got to take every thought that's not from God 
captive. Everyone, doesn't matter how good the thought I think it is, if it comes from the outside in, it's from Satan, and I gotta, I gotta take it captive. I don't care what Satan is telling me to do, he can't produce life. He only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He only comes to lie to you. So I, I only am going to embrace those thoughts that come from the inside. That's so, so very important. So we said a few things about Thanksgiving. We've said this every time. I'm going to say it again. Thanksgiving, victory, and triumph are connected. Your victory and your triumph in life, in every circumstance, is connected to your thanksgiving. No thanksgiving, you're going to be unable to literally receive and walk in the victory that's already been given to you and the triumph that is already yours. That's a key. So this is why we said this, that thanksgiving literally puts things in motion that brings victory and triumph into your life. It literally puts things, the unseen, in motion to bring this to pass. We see it, you see it all through the life of Jesus. You see it in the life of his disciples. You see it throughout the epistles. You see it all over the place. You see great pictures of this in the Old Testament. You see a lot of the examples Uh, If you understand the New Testament truth, you can see it. It's amazing. It's so important that we see this. Thanksgiving, we said, is an exercise in true humility. This is so important. Humility, what is that? It is literally, I'm living in the truth that without God, I have nothing, I am nothing, And I can do nothing. You cut me, the branch, off from the vine, and I am nothing. Does that make sense? So so that's humility. It's without God, it's not happening. And what happens is humility, when I walk in humility, I will be thankful. If I'm walking in pride, if I think I deserve what I have, then it's impossible for me to be thankful and it cuts me off from God being able to get anything to me. This, I can't say this enough. It's the key. Thanksgiving is an exercise in true humility and this is why we have to cultivate, we've said this, a lifestyle of thanksgiving. You have to cultivate it. It doesn't happen automatically. Your flesh doesn't want to. Your flesh wants to feel sorry for itself if it's going through things. Your flesh will say, I deserve it. Why? Because your flesh doesn't have eternal life. Right? And and Satan will try to feed that because he wants to cut you off. Thankfulness is acknowledging what God has done for you. This is so important. We said this, you acknowledge and are grateful for what God has done for you and then you express that in thankfulness. 
See, I walk around all day acknowledging what God has done for me and I express it as I thank him. If I'm not walking around thanking him, then guess what? I'm not acknowledging what he has done for me. And we said this, there is no middle ground here. You are either thankful or you're unthankful. You're either connected to things that are going to bring the blessing in your life or you are not. This is huge. I I can't stress this enough. See, when you acknowledge that you are grateful for what God has done and you thank him, what that does is it opens you up. I, I don't know how to really explain this in English. But it, it opens you up on the inside. It literally opens your spirit man up. See, worship is thanksgiving, thankfulness. It's a passionate pursuit of his presence. It's like, God, I am so thankful. It opens you up on the inside. What that does is it increases your capacity to receive from him. So see, your father, he doesn't want you closed. He doesn't want you coming to him going, oh, father, can you bless me? No, no, he's saying, increase your capacity. Why? Because I'm able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. So be grateful. Be thankful. It opens you up, and as as you're opening up to him, it increases your capacity to receive from him. Isn't that a simple principle? It's simple, but it's profound. So I want to read these scriptures again on the grace of God so that I could lay a foundation to go a little further in this. I want to show you this place of grace. Remember, we said grace, it's not only God doing for you what you couldn't do for yourself. It's not only just the finished work of Jesus. Grace is a place It's a very specific place that you specifically have one-on-one with your Father, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. And it's so that you, this place of grace will cause you to see and know things. You have to know that. You gotta know where you're going to get there. Could you imagine if you were driving somewhere And somebody asks you, where are you going? And you're like, well, I don't know. That would be ridiculous. But you know, the most important thing in your life is where you're going spiritually. And most people, they have no direction there. I'll read my Bible if I feel like it. I'll come to church if I feel like it. You know, it's got to be on my terms. I'll do this. I won't do that. There's literally no, there's no focus. There's no anything And then people sit here and they wonder, why is all this stuff happening in my life? And many times they get mad because they're living their own life and something really bad happens. And in the midst of it, they're like, God, I want you to take care of this whole thing. And because they're not in faith, there's no word and it doesn't happen. They get mad at God. It happens all the time, all the time. Well, God's not real. 
I, I, and, and see, this is the thing. It doesn't have to be this way. So Romans chapter 5, verse 17, it says, For if by one man's offense, Adam in the garden's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. They which receive, remember that word, take hold of, continually take hold of and walk and grow in the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness that will cause them. Two conditions to reign in life. Notice it's not how much money you make. It's not your education. It's not your ability. It's if you could lay hold of these two things, the Bible says you will reign in life. You will reign in the eternal life of God. But you got to continue in these things. And you'll reign in them as you take hold of them and continually grow in them. If you jump back to Romans chapter 5 in verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified, which means being declared righteous by, God, by faith, we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom, this is what I want you to see, by whom? By Christ. Also, we have access, How? look at this, access by faith into this grace which causes us to stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Notice you're rejoicing in hope of the glory. You have to. Why? Because Thanksgiving connects you to your victory. You're all, you see this all the time. This is a spiritual principle. This is a spiritual law. You live a life of thanksgiving, I'm telling you, you decide tonight to cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. You look at everything and you be thankful, not for everything, but in everything. And you're coming out. You'll come out of everything. You'll end up at the end of this year in a different place. It won't even look the same. End of next year, it'll be way different. In a very short period of time, everything will change in your life. The, the reason why, it can't not happen. So the word of God says in 2 Peter 1, 2, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, grace and peace is multiplied unto you, how? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. What is eternal life according to John 17, 3? Knowing the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. Grace and peace, is in, it literally is multiplied to you through the knowledge of God. Well, how do you gain that? It's through his word. It's always through his word. This is how you're going to gain knowledge of God. Not by just reading, not by just listening, by hearing and meditating in the word of God. Because the Holy Spirit has to open the word in your heart. This is why whoever seeks with all their heart will find. Whoever knocks, it will be opened. Right? He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
This, this is so important. So if you want to hunger after God, you got to feed on him. Right? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, but grow in grace. So we're to grow. That's exactly Romans 5, 17. You'll reign in life if you receive, you take hold of, and you grow and continue in the abundance of grace. Now the word of God saying, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So now, if you look at Paul's teaching on the grace of God, I'm going to give you just, this isn't a series on grace, even though we're talking so much about it. You've got to understand this. Paul uses three things in his epistles to contrast the grace of God. Three things. And there's a reason why the Spirit of God has him do that. Boy, tonight, you're going to be really glad, really glad you learned these three things because these are the three enemies of thanksgiving, of thankfulness. They're the three enemies of faith. It's amazing. So the first one, the first one is sin. Paul contrasts sin or the grace of God with sin. In Romans 5.20, Paul said, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. He contrasts the grace of God with sin. Wherever sin abounds, grace much more abounds. It's much greater. The second thing is the law. Paul contrasted the grace of God with the law. Romans 6, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. And it says here, for you are not under the law. But the word the is not in the original manuscripts. You would read it literally like this. But you are not under law. But you are under grace. Boy, aren't you glad? Wow, I'm so glad I'm not under the law because if I'm under law and I mess up one time, I would have been history way, way years ago because the Bible says if you're guilty of one thing, you're guilty of the whole law. But grace, my innocence now, my freedom now, everything is based on Christ. Isn't that good news? So, number one, he contrasts grace with sin. Number two, grace with the law. Number three, Paul contrasts the grace of God with works. Romans chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. This word election in the King James Version, in the Greek it would be according to the salvation of grace. Now look at this. And if, in other words, and if we were saved by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. In other words, if you're working, it's impossible 
for the grace of God to affect you, right? Because grace has absolutely nothing to do with works. In the same way, grace has nothing to do with the law. Grace has nothing to do with sin. Isn't, now, this is huge. Because what beats Christians up and causes them, you know, condemnation, guilt, all this stuff. Listen, nobody beats you up as bad as you beat yourself up. I mean, am I wrong there? Right? No, no. And see, God doesn't want you beating yourself up. He doesn't want you letting anybody else beat you up. He doesn't want you even listening or giving the enemy a place to beat you up. It says here, and if by grace, then it is no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be works, or in other words, if I'm working, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What? That's a mouthful. See, do you see how the word of God is written? So you've got to dig a little bit. You've got to stop and think about it. Why in the world, pastor, do you like the King James Version? Do you know I train myself to read slow? I, I love it when I got to look at this superfluity of what? Some of the ways it slows me down. Because there's so much in the word of God that I don't want to just skim over it. I just want to, you got to let it all soak in, right? So you're going to have to deal with these three things. To be honest with you, you will deal with these three things all the time. Sin, the law, and works. And you're like, the law? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we deal with it all the time. Because it's all it, it just gets all lumped in together. Right? The law. Well, I don't, you know, I don't even know the law. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Because you sit there and go, oh, shoot, you know, man, I was just, I told a lie. I was mean to this person. God's never going to answer my prayer. Oh, you put yourself under law. Right? So moving on, you're going to have to deal with these three things in order to grow in the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. In other words, you're going to have to deal with these three things in order to to deal with this so that you can reign in life. Three enemies of grace. Sin, the law, and works. It's amazing how the word of God just fits on layer after layer after layer. This is why out of all the different subjects in the Bible, the Bible talks about the manifold grace of God. There's so much there. Three enemies of grace. Sin, the law, works. They keep us from understanding grace. These three things is literally the root of all unbelief. All of it. All of it. If you don't believe the word of God in any area, it's, it's, it's because of sin. It's because you're putting yourself under the law or you're putting yourself under works. Most of the time, you're putting yourself under all three because they're all just wrapped together. Right? They're, it's the root of all unbelief. 
How do you get free of all of it? lifestyle of thanksgiving because you know the three greatest enemies of of thanksgiving i bet i bet you could never guess what they are the three greatest enemies of thanksgiving sin the law and works man you just you you just put yourself in the top one-tenth of one percent of all seminary graduates because they're never taught this Wow. So the, the thing is, if you really want to grow in this, you just got to let the Lord go. Take that to the Lord and go, okay, expound on that. So Acts 20.32 is where we ended last week. Acts 20.32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and the word of his grace. Why? which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all of them which are sanctified. The grace of God is able to build you up and give you your inheritance. Wow. This is why in 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 1, Paul said to Timothy, by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he says, now, Thou therefore, my son, be strong, where? In the grace that is where? Where is the grace? In Christ Jesus. So the grace, this place of grace, this position with God, not just the condition, but the very position, the place of grace, is in Christ. So now I want you to go in your Bibles to Exodus 33. And I want to show you an Old Testament type and example of this. We're going to talk about Moses and you're going to see an example and you're going to see this principle in the Old Testament. All scripture is profitable. Exodus 33, we're going to start in verse 12. Now Moses is a type of a New Testament believer. Okay? We've said this many times, but if you look in his life, he, he, he was the friend of God. God talked to him face to face. But man, we have much more than Moses because we have the Spirit of God in us. But he is an Old Testament type. So now let's look at this. Moses, verse 12, said unto the Lord, See, now look at the way he's talking to God. See, you say unto me, bring up this people. And you've not let me know who you will send with me. Do you see Moses' humanity? Have you ever been like that? God, you know, I've read in your word that, that, you know, you're with me here. And this is what you want me to do. But what natural things are you going to give me? We're always looking for some natural thing or some person to help us. And that's what Moses was talking about here. You've not let me know who you will send with me, yet you've said, I know you by name, and you've also found grace in my sight. He's like, God, what's up? You said you know me by name, like you and I are close. You said, I found grace in your sight, but you've not let me know 
who you're going to send with me to take all these people up. How in the world is this going to happen, in other words? Moses is saying to God, you want, you've told me now what you want me to do, but you are, have not told me yet who you're sending with me to do it. Isn't that amazing that that was the natural tendency? Now, Moses was wanting some natural thing, but there is a spiritual principle. God never calls you to do anything by yourself or for yourself. If you're doing something by yourself, it'll keep you away from the things of God. Right? It just will. Verse 13, now therefore I pray you, if... I have found grace in your sight. Could you imagine? God God told Moses, you found grace in my sight. And could you imagine going to God? So Elisa, you're God, and you said, Tony, you found grace in my sight, and I come up to you, well, listen, if 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 I found grace in your sight, you'd be like, time out, what? I'm God. Right? I told you that you found grace in my sight. So straighten up. Right? He says, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way. Now in the Hebrew language, this means show me your will. That's the way it should be translated. It's the Hebrew word that's always translated will. He's like, God, if I have found grace in your sight... Show me your will. What did we say about the grace of God? It is given to you and I so that we would see and know things. You even see this back in the Old Testament. Show me your will that I may know you. How do we know God? Through his will, which is his word. Show me your will that I may know you. Here's another principle. If you don't know what God's called you to do, you don't know him. Now, you might be born again and just haven't come to the knowledge of the truth. But you don't know him. If you don't know, it's his will that your body be completely healed and free of all sickness, disease, and pain. You do not know him as your healer. If you don't know that God wants you debt-free and all of your financial life overflowing, if you don't know that, you don't know him as a provider. If you don't know that he wants you perfectly, mentally, have soundness of mind and peace and be free from anxiety and fear, panic attacks, depression, if you don't know that, you don't know him as your peace. Does that make sense? So this is what's going on now. It says, show me your way or show me your will that I may know you, that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. See, notice how Moses was saying, these people, God, are yours. What he's, what, what he's meaning by this is, is God These are your people. I can't specifically tell them what to do. I mean, if you look at the Old Testament, could you imagine what a nightmare? That ultimately kept him out of the promised land. He finally got fed up with it. Right? So 
What do we see from here? This place, this position, this condition with God is designed to help you and I see things and know things. God wants you to see your life very clearly. He wants you to see your next step very clearly. He doesn't want anything to catch you off guard. Moses is saying, show me your will so I can know you and find grace. See, when you know God, hmm, how is grace multiplied? Through the knowledge of God. Do you see the parallel here? See, that's what Moses was saying to me. you got to show me your will so that I can find grace and, or know you and find grace. See, many children of God, they're not coming to the throne of grace. Why? They're not coming to obtain help, to obtain mercy and to find help in their time of need because they don't know him. See, that's why we teach the word of God. God wants you to know. In other words, I want to take what you show me, God, and grow in grace. And that's what God wants you to do in your life. He wants you to take what he shows you and grow in grace. He wants you to take revelation knowledge of this word and grow in grace, which will cause you to stand and rejoice in the glory of God. It will cause you to lay hold of your inheritance. Part of your inheritance is all the fruit you are to bear while you're in this earth. Grace is not only about what you don't deserve. It's not just unmerited favor. It is, but it's more than that. It's about how each of us has a special place with God. So now in verse 14, God answers. And he says, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Remember we said this a few weeks ago. This place of grace causes the Holy Spirit's presence to be everywhere you go and upon everything that you do. You know where it says he will bless the work of your hands? That is what it's talking about. God's presence will be with you, in other words, when you do what God's called you to do. Now, as a New Testament believer, let me make sure I say this right. Because God's presence is always with you. as his, You're his child. But we're talking about his manifest presence. His, ma- his presence will only manifest in your life when you do what he's told you to do. This is why Satan loves when a child of God looks at the word of God and says, no, I won't do that. Because it cuts, it literally cuts that believer off from the father's presence to manifest in their life and fix things. It cuts them off. Boy, you start talking about forgiveness. You start talking about your finances in every area, your health. I mean, you could just go down the book. 
Follow God's plan and you will always have his manifested presence. He will always be there to help you. He, he's always there, but he wants to help you. And we need his help. See, when people are confused about how to be led by the Spirit of God, what that is showing you, if you're confused about how to be led by the Spirit of God, it shows you that you don't have a clue about God's plan for your life. So you just need to back up a little bit and just get to know him. Change some priorities in your life. Turn your TV off a little more. Read your Bible a little more. Meditate in the word and it'll all come into play. Because God is not mad at you if you're not doing this. He's yearning to, to help you. But he can't force his manifest presence on you. Because he can't, he can't violate your will. I love what he says, I will give you rest. In other words, Moses, you won't have to be responsible for these people. God's rest will always refresh you. Well, what is the rest of God? It means that you've ceased from your own works. You see why works is an enemy of grace, right? Verse 15, and he said unto him, so now Moses says back to God, if your presence go not with me, don't carry us up. You know, you're just like, Moses, come on, dude. I mean, are you an idiot? But I can't really say that because God has said things to me. And the difference between Moses and me is I have God living on the inside of me. Right? But look at Moses. He's like, but look at his heart here. He's like, God, if you don't go with us, then, then don't, don't, I'm not going. I, I, you, I got to have your presence. Right? Moses knew, I have to have your presence or I'm not going anywhere. Verse 16, for wherein shall it be known here that I and your people have found grace in your sight? Is it not that you go with us? So, now look at this, God going with them, look at what the result of that will be. So shall we be separated, I and your people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And this we're going to see in our lifetime, because we're living at the end of the church age. This is saying, how is anyone going to know that we have this special place with you if your presence is not here. In other words, this special place of grace with God will separate you so that people will see that you are different than the rest of the world. That's the way it's supposed to be. When people, people just want to get around you because you're different, why? Because the very agape love of God flows out of you and they can sense that. Not judgment. That's flesh. No, the love of God. The goodness of God. See, what does is, what is 2 Corinthians 2.14 say? Now thanks be to God which always causes us to triumph. And also, what, what else? And our Father leaves a fragrance 
of the knowledge of him in every place that we go. That's, see, victory has a smell. Grace, the grace of God, the place of grace, it has a smell. The presence of God has a smell, and it's fresh to people. People will just like you, they won't even know why. Because they're attracted to you. If nobody's being attracted to you, then what that means is his presence is not manifesting in your life. Which means you're walking in disobedience. Isn't that simple? So let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's why whenever you see revival, if you study revivals, if you study an awakening and a revival, it always brings holiness into the body of Christ. Why? Because people get, they start to know who they are. And then all of a sudden, all kinds of people start getting saved. When there's no revival and people are holier than thou, they give off this attitude like the world kind of looks at you and goes, oh, you just think you're better than me. But the fragrance of God is like, oh, no, 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 no. Whosoever will, let him come. Right? There's a big difference. This makes a way for you. This place of grace always makes a way. You know where the Bible says God opens the doors that no man can shut? He makes a way where there is no way. That's, that's a byproduct of the grace of God, which is a byproduct of living a life of thanksgiving. See how all this is tied together? Verse 17, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And I said this the other day. You know, God does know you by name. But make sure you get that right. God does, he knows me by name. And I thought for years, wow, he knows my name. Tony, no. No, 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 it's much deeper than that. He knows me by name, by Jesus. That's how he knows me. It's through Christ. It's much, intimate, much more intimate than just this name that I have on the earth. No, he knows me by name. I am in Christ. I am one spirit with him. In other words, I am his child. Ooh, man, this is, this is powerful. In Christ equals the place of grace. You've heard me say that before. Who we are in Christ equals this place of grace that causes me to stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. It causes me literally to know God's will for my life and to be able to walk it out. It literally brings success to me. It brings increase. It brings all my fruit. It makes me, in other words, Psalm 1-3, it makes me literally be like a tree planted by rivers of water, more than enough provision, where my leaf will never wither. I'm always fresh. This word is never, nothing is ever not fresh to me. It's so sad that believers have no sticking power. They can't stay any place long enough for God to really get much into them because they got to do something new. Oh man, I went to this church and oh, that pastor is just Jesus. You know, and then six months later, man, that pastor's the Antichrist, right? And oh, I just need, I just need a new job. I just need to move somewhere else. I mean, it's 20 below zero. I'm going somewhere warmer. Well, 
I've been out of the will of God. I've been out of the place of grace. There's nothing like the place of grace. It's, it's just, it's who we are. We're like a tree planted by rivers. Our leaf doesn't wither. Literally, literally everything that I put my hand to is brought to maturity. Wow, I bear all of my fruit in my season. What is that? That's that place of grace. 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says this. 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God are in him or in Christ, yes, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Verse 18 of Exodus 33. And he said, I beseech you. So now Moses is saying, God, I'm begging you, show me your glory. In other words, God says, you found favor in my sight. You have grace in my sight. So Moses is in the place of grace. And it enables him to ask God for the desire of his heart. See, most believers, all their prayer lives are, I need, I need, I need, and they never tap into the desires of their heart. And and they're frustrated because they've got a destiny and they can't see it. It hasn't entered their mind, but they know on the inside, there's something more for me. Man, it doesn't matter where you're working. When you know you have a destiny You know your identity is not what you do for work or or whatever. It changes everything. But look at this. He says, I beseech you, show me your glory. So now Moses asks for the desire of his heart. See, this is talking about seeing and knowing things you need. Why? In order to follow God's plan for your life. His plan for your life will turn you on in every way, every way. It'll turn you on from the inside out. And look at this, God's response to him. He says, there's a place in me, Moses. There's a place in me. God would say that to you. You have a place in him tonight. Verse 19, and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. So now this is two things happening. First of all, it defines the glory of God. Moses says, show me your glory. God didn't say no. He said, okay. I'm going to show you my glory. I'm going to make my goodness pass before you. And I personally am going to proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Wow. What is the glory of God? It's his goodness and it's the proclamation of his name. His glory is going to cover the earth. I mean, when, when God proclaims his name, sickness flees. Everything flees that's not, that's not of him. Right? And then he finishes up by saying, 
he explains this, I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious. He's like, I'm God. I'm going to be gracious to whoever I want to be gracious to. And I'm going to show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Wow. See, some people will not dig into the language and not look at other scriptures and say, see, God's a respecter of persons. And it's like, no, no, time out. What's he talking about? He's talking about this place of grace. What he's saying here, he's saying, God is saying, I am making this special place of grace to everyone who is in Christ. That's you and I. I love this. I love this. He made it available to us. So now, here we go. We're finishing up. Hang in there with me. Verse 20, and he said, you cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place. Now, now this is a type. This is a type of our place in Christ. This is a picture of this. God is saying, no man can see my face and live. So the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you shall stand upon a rock. This is a type of our place in Christ. We have a special place of grace in Christ. He says, you're going to stand on a rock and it shall come to pass that while my glory passes by, in other words, while my goodness and while I pass by proclaiming the name of the Lord, I will put you in a cliff of the rock. I'm going to put you right in the rock. You know who was talking here? Jesus. I'm going to put you, he's like, this is a type of you and I. I'm going to put you in the rock and will cover you with my hand. I love the book of Revelation because it says for these pastors in the first three chapters, it says, listen, you pastors are in my right hand and no one can get you out of my hand. Jesus said this, my father gives me everything and nobody can, no, I'll, I'll not lose anybody. Nothing can get them out of my father's hand. Jesus is saying, I'm going to put you in this place, and when I pass by, I'm going to take my own hand. This is why I know God plays basketball, because he's got big hands, right? While I pass by, this is a type of our place in Christ, and I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. It's a type See, it's not a full type because guess what? We don't have to see the back parts of God. Guess what? We're one spirit with him. This is the place of grace. It causes you to see and know things. It literally strengthens you. It enables you to stand. It enables you to know your future. It enables you to literally have the manifest presence of God in your life all day and all night. Don't go to sleep tonight. Actually, I wonder if the presence of God manifested in your life tonight. If that would give you, because it says, I'll give you rest. I wonder if that's tied to I give my beloved rest. 
Man, I'm telling you, don't put up. See, here's the reality. A lot of people don't rest because they're not resting on the inside, and it's impossible to rest on the outside if you're not resting on the inside. So before you go to bed tonight, Father, I thank you that I have this special place of grace in you. That tonight as I'm laying in my bed, while I fall asleep, your presence is manifesting over me. It's it's causing every system in my body, my physical body to rest as you, by your spirit, Romans 8, 11, are quickening my mortal body. You're making it alive. You're healing it. You're restoring it to health. What does sleep do like nothing else? It restores your body. I wonder if sleep with the quickening of the Holy Spirit could possibly cause the healing power of God to start changing things and accelerating things, building cartilage, doing all this thing, right? Eradicating sickness and disease. Father, I thank you tonight that you give me rest and I'm gonna wake up tomorrow refreshed in you. That's why when I go to bed, I keep my eyes on him. His manifest presence is everywhere I go and upon everything that I do. Why? Because I'm strong in the grace that is in Christ. It is is my place. Amen? Say that with me. It is my place. I have a special place of grace. It's a place of rest. It's a place where I know things. It's a place where I know my future. It's a place of safety. It's a place of healing. It's a place of provision. 